Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82. A Psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning for those who are in the United States and in Canada and any other time zone around the world where it is the morning. But wherever you're at around the world, shalom, peace. My name is Kennard Brown. I'm your host for the Merciful Service of God, Biblical. And it is a biblical instructional program. What I mean by around the world, for the over 2 billion, that's with a B, people that have access to the Internet. Shalom. Now, I'm not assuming that 2 billion people are listening to me right now. That would take a miracle. But that's my, what is called, reach or, or radio reach. I could potentially reach that many people around the world because that's how many people do have access to the Internet around the world. Two billion, that's what would be, two billion people. So, whoever's listening, shalom, peace. This is a biblical instructional program, meaning this program is for people who understand the following. Matthew chapter 18, let's go there, Matthew chapter 18. And And if this is the first time that you are listening to me, This is an instructional program, so I would suggest that you get a pencil and a piece of paper and write down the scriptures that I quote so that you can be familiar with them. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 1, it says, At the same time the disciples of Talmudim came unto Jesus, as Talmudim in Hebrew means disciples, that means students, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? In verse 2, And Yeshua, or Jesus, uh, Yeshua is Jesus' Hebrew name, called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them. Then in verse 3, And said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted. What does the word converted mean in the Greek? I'm getting ready to find that out right now. Converted. In the Greek means strepho. It means to twist, to turn, to reverse. So verily I say unto you, except ye be twisted or turned or twisted 
and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever, in verse 4 of Matthew chapter 18, whosoever therefore shall humble himself, what does humble mean in the Greek? Tap e noo. That's what it means. It means to depress, to humiliate, to abase, to bring low. So whoever therefore shall humble himself as his little child, the same is greatest kingdom of heaven, which, is mean, which means in the kingdom of God. So we have to reverse, to twist our, our way of life, our halakha. That's what way means in uh, Hebrew, the way that you walk, your halakha. You have to change. That's the only way you're going to enter the spiritual realm of the kingdom of God. And in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 2, let's turn there. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 2, it says, For all those things have my hand made, and all those things have been, says the Lord. But to this man will I look, or woman, even to him that is poor and of a contrite heart or spirit, and trembles at my word, tremble in Hebrew means karad, and it means to be afraid, to respect the word of God. People who listen to my program or continue to listen to my program understand this scripture as well. Matthew chapter 4. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, bread alone, but by every word, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so the Bible is the word of God, all the 66 books, and we must take those words seriously, ladies and gentlemen, because your eternal life is at stake. All right, so our program today is an interesting program. Actually, I hope all the programs that I do are interesting. But anyway, <laughs> this program is about how to solve conflicts because everybody on this earth, even Yeshua or Jesus, had conflicts. Now, the difference between Yeshua having conflicts and us is that he handled the conflicts perfectly. We, on the other hand, we have, we have a tendency, more often than not, not to handle the conflicts perp um, perfectly. And then we get ourselves in trouble. And then we hurt ourselves and, and hurt other people. And so this program will address how we can be like our master, like the Lord, Yeshua, in handling conflict perfectly. People say, well, we can't be perfect. Well, what does Matthew chapter 5 state? What is the goal? Matthew 5, verse 48. Be ye therefore perfect, which means complete in character, in mental, in moral labor even, character. Even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect in labor, growth, mental, and moral character. Completeness, full of age. That's what being perfect means. All right, so... Let's understand that. All right, we are going to do 
is um, talk about how to solve conflicts. But before we do that, uh, we are going to go to watch.org to find out what's going on in Jerusalem because our Lord stated the following in Luke chapter 21. Let's turn there. Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21, verse 34. And take heed to yourselves that at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness. Surfeiting is partying, um, being drunk, debauchery. Uh, take a look at this. Yeah, that's what it means, surfeiting. It also, and then also drunkenness and cares of this life or distractions of this life so that that day come upon you unawares. Verse 35, For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Verse 36, Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So we have to watch our spiritual condition. And we have to watch world events. So um, that's what we must do. So let's go to watch.org. World Watch Daily Koenig International News. <clears throat> Israeli Defense Force withdraws majority of ground forces from Gaza. The IDF has withdrawn a majority of its ground forces back to staging areas around Gaza on Sunday, with the IAF striking only 15 targets in the Strip since midnight after a relative decline in the number of, of rocket launches on Israel. Yet the residents of the South remain under attack. And so this is interesting, ladies and gentlemen, what's going on in uh, Gaza. Because the Bible talks about Gaza certainly being in the news in the end time. So... Uh, for proof of that, let me turn to Zephaniah, Zephaniah chapter 2, <coughs> excuse me, actually, let me start Zephaniah chapter 2, Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 1, gather yourselves together, yes, gather together, O nation not desired, verse 2, before the decree bring forth, before the day pass as the chaff. Before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you. Before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you. So this is going to happen before the day of the Lord. Verse 3. Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness. What is righteousness? Psalm 119, verse 172. Hold your place in Zephaniah 2, verse 3. We'll turn to Psalm 119, verse 172, so you'll understand what the Bible's definition of righteousness is. Psalms 119, 119, verse 172. It says, My tongue shall speak of thy word, for all thy commandments are righteousness. That is what, that's the Bible's definition of righteousness. Let's turn back to Zephaniah 2, verse 3. Now, let me read it again. It says, Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, all you humble of the earth, which have wrought his judgment, you seek righteousness, you obey the commandments, seek meekness. Maybe you shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. 
and I'm sure you would like to be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. I know I would. Verse 4. For Gaza shall be forsaken. So, Gaza has something to do, ladies and gentlemen, with the end times. So pay attention to Gaza being forsaken as I'm speaking. It has been forsaken and it will continue to be forsaken. It's one of the signs of the end times. So let's continue to take a look at Gaza. In Jeremiah 47, verse 1, it states, The word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah the prophet against the Philistines. The Philistines today are certainly uh, the Palestinians in the Middle East. Before that Pharaoh smote Gaza, Verse 5, now notice this prophecy happened before, but prophecy repeats itself in a similar way. It says, baldness has come upon Gaza. Baldness in the Hebrew means, uh, yeah, it means utterly bald. That's what it means. Let's pay attention to what's going on in Gaza. And realize it is one of the signs of the end times. All right, domestically, meaning in this country, let's go to the economic collapse blog that I love to go to. Very well done. One of the best blogs out there on the Internet. And it's uh, pretty popular, too. Anyway, the economic collapse... States here, are you prepared for the coming economic collapse of the next Great Depression? He has very helpful information um, on his menu bar on the top of the page. Information about gold coins, silver coins, which is real money, not the phony uh, paper fiat um, bills that we have. They are bills, not actual money. That's backed up by silver and gold. It's not even backed up by silver and gold. Emergency food, military surplus, preppers, his new book, etc. Now, another thing that I'm glad he mentioned it because I, I was going to almost forget about it, but on on his page here, uh, you need to understand what's going on here about the Ebola virus. This is what is going to happen if Ebola comes to America, and it has come to America. They have already, I know one person already, they have um, flown over from, I think, West Africa, where this um, buildup of Ebola, the worst strand, has started. Now, he states here, if the worst Ebola outbreak in recorded history reaches the United States, let me underscore this again so you understand. If the worst Ebola outbreak in recorded history reaches the United States, federal law permits the apprehension and examination, or permits, not permits, uh, not, okay, let me slow down, says the United States federal law permits, it permits the apprehension and examination of any individual reasonably believed to be infected with a disease. These individuals can be detained for such time and in such manner as may be reasonably necessary. In other words, the federal government already has the authority, already has to round people up against their will, take them to detention facilities, and hold them there for as long as they feel it is reasonably necessary. In addition, as you will read about below, 
the federal government has the authority to separate and restrict the movement of well persons who have been exposed to a disease that, that is uh, contagious to see if they become ill. If you want to look at these laws in the broadest sense, they pretty much give the federal government the power to do almost anything that they want with us in the event of a major pandemic. Of course, such a scenario probably would not be called martial law, but it would probably feel a lot like it. So please read the rest of this, should this Ebola virus spread like crazy. Uh, we need to be prepared uh, for what will go down. Another interesting article on this website says 85 super wealthy people have more money than the poorest 3.5 billion combined. Uh, this is terrible. It says America the divided. Everyone knows we have problems, but there is very little agreement on solutions. So this is some very good information that you should read on this website so you can prepare for what's about to come down. Let's listen to the advice that God gives us in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 22, Proverbs 22, verse 3. A prudent man or woman foresees the evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. All this things have been going on in Gaza for, for, I think, maybe five or six years now. So that is one of the signs that we are in the end times, ladies and gentlemen. So you should be seeking to prepare uh, for a martial law situation, for any type of catastrophes, even our government uh, uh, department that that uh, handles emergencies, FEMA, suggests that you should be prepared for any type of eventuality. So uh, let's let's start doing that. Let's use the, this information that uh, Yah has revealed to us about Gaza to prepare. To prepare. All right. So, go ahead and um, talk about conflict. So, we um, need to uh, talk about this because this is very important. So, why do we have conflict, first of all? Why? problem getting along well let's start with psalm chapter 34 verse 13 psalm chapter 34 verse 13 it states keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit now there's a whole lot in this scripture and i'm reading this in the scriptures version of the bible let me read this in the king james version psalm 34 psalm chapter 34 Psalm 34, verse 13. Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. And guile is uh, fraud, craft, evil, ladies and gentlemen. Um, well, evil can be all kinds of things. Uh, let me <laughs> go to Galatians chapter 5 and uh, go into detail about what evil is. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, I'm going to read this in the basic, uh, the 1965 Bob and Basic English Version for clarity's sake about what is evil. Galatians 5 verse 19 in the uh, 1965 
Bible and basic English version of the Bible, says, Now the works of the flesh are clear, starting in Galatians 5, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are clear, which are these, evil desire, unclean things, wrong use of the senses, worship of images, use of strange powers, hates, fighting, desire for what another has, angry feelings, attempts to get the better of others, divisions, false teachings, envy, uncontrolled drinking and feasting, and such things of which I give you word clearly, even as I did in the past, that they who do such things will have no part, no part in the kingdom of God. And so that's an example of evil, ladies and gentlemen. Tongue from evil. We must keep our tongue from these things. All right? And that's, that's very important. Very important for us to obey this very powerful scripture that certainly has everything to do with communication. I'm reading from the John Gill commentary. He says, The tongue is an instrument of much evil, an unruly member, and needs restraint. And it is from evil and not from good. It is to be kept from evil speaking of God, from cursing and swearing, from evil speaking of men, reproaching and reviling them, from filthy speaking, from all obscene and unchaste words, and from all lying ones, from which, from where such evil speaking is indulged, the fear of God cannot be in that man. Okay, so we've got to be careful about speaking evil about someone. All right? doesn't mean that we can't speak the truth about someone, but even then we've got to use discretion, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, some, some information is personal business about someone. <clears throat> now, in Luke 6, verse 45, reading this in the Scriptures version again, it says, The good man brings forth what is good out of the good treasure of his heart, and the wicked man brings forth what is wicked out of the wicked treasure of his heart. For out of the overflow of the heart his mouth speaks. So that's another interesting scripture here, ladies and gentlemen. Let's turn to Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Um, read this in the King James Version. states, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. All right. So that's pretty plain there, what it's saying. So, you know, God doesn't like you talking falsely about someone uh, with the example in Numbers chapter 12. Numbers chapter 12. Let's turn there. You, you know what happened to Miriam, right? <laughs> well, it's a good example for all of us <clears throat> not to follow that bad example. You have to be very careful about what we say about people. Numbers chapter 12. And Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. Spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. And it's repeated here so you'll understand what the problem was. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. The Ethiopian is black. And so he married a black woman. And they were speaking against that. And if you understand the Bible, you can marry whatever woman you want as long as that woman uh, is a true believer of God, despite what people are erroneously preaching 
and using the Bible and twisting the Bible to their destruction about that. Interracial marriage is certainly allowed in the Bible. Verse 2, And they said, Have the Lord indeed spoken by Moshe, or Moses? Has he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. In verse 3 of Numbers chapter 12, Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. In verse 4, And the Lord spoke suddenly unto Moses, and to Aaron and to Miriam, Come out ye three unto the tabernacle of the assembly or congregation. And, they, and the three came out. In verse 5, And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. Now notice, he, he called everyone that was involved in this conflict or, or this, uh, this disagreement or this slander of, uh, in reference to Moses. And the Lord came down. She, she tried to infer that it was wrong for Moses to be married to a black woman, and God never said that that was wrong. Verse 5, And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. And verse 6, And he said, Hear now my words, that there be a prophet among you. I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak to him in a dream. Verse 7, My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all my house. And so first of all, he said, He's faithful in all my house, so obviously he didn't have a problem with him being married to a black woman. All right. Verse 8, with him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches, and similitude of the Lord shall he behold. And so he was able to see his likeness. All right. Um, wherefore, then, were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And so we got to be careful if we know we're around a prophet or not even a prophet, but just somebody who you know is obeying God. You better be careful how you speak to them. It's anybody, but especially somebody who's serving God. He's not going to like that. Serving him, he's not going to like that. Verse 9, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against him, and he departed. <clears throat> Verse 10, and the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, behold, she was leprous. And we know what happened after that. But I'm just <clears throat> driving the point here that God does not like gossip and slander. And leprosy certainly is one of the things that can happen to you. It's not the only thing. Or um, even today, I mean, there's so many people in this country that, that gossip and slander each other all over the place. And they're not, they don't have leprosy. So leprosy is certainly, it does not always cause leprosy. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is slandering and gossip does not does not always cause leprosy, all right? So anyway, in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 16, is a key verse. It says, Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people, neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. So we shouldn't be going up and down telling tales about people. Talebearer in Hebrew means raw kill. It means someone who's a slanderer. You carry tales. It refers to gossip. It refers to spreading rumors or falsities about someone. It is always used in a negative manner. Such a practice was pro prohibited by the, um, the law of God or the law of Moses. So, you know, even God also condemned the whole people of being talebearers, especially certain leaders. Certain leaders were, were talebearers. Uh, let me prove this to you. Jeremiah chapter 6. Jeremiah chapter 6. Jeremiah chapter 6. Verse 28. Verse 28. 
says, they are all grievous revolters, wa- walking with slanders. Okay? <laughs> and he's talking about uh, Jerusalem, his people here. <clears throat> the children of Benjamin. And uh, he's talking about his people here. And so we don't want to be like that, ladies and gentlemen. We don't want to. Um, he says in verse 19, Hear, O earth, behold, I will, of Jeremiah chapter 6, I will bring evil upon his people, the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not hearkened to my words, nor to my Torah, but rejected it. All right, he's a, this message directly to those who have kept the Torah, and yet they have rejected it. In verse 27, it says, I have set thee for a tower and a fortress among my people, that thou mayest know and try their way. They are all grievous revolters, walking with, with slanders. You know, so it, we can't say false things about people and expect God to love us. Uh, well, he's going to always love us, but you can't expect him not to punish us for doing that. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 4 to following. He says, Take ye heed every one of his neighbor, and trust ye not in the, any brother, for every brother will utterly supplant, and every neighbor will walk with slanders. Okay, so that was the current state back then in Jeremiah's time, and, and it's somewhat of a prophecy for today. And then Ezekiel 22, verse 9. Ezekiel 22, verse 9. says, in thee are men that carry tails to shed blood, and indeed they eat upon mountains. So again, we've got to learn how to tell the truth about people. We are forbidden to, to raise false reports, and that's what slander is. Uh, Exodus 23, verse 1, thou shalt not raise a false report. Put not thy hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. There can be people believe just because there's witnesses about something doesn't mean it's all true. Our Lord and Savior was um, wrongfully murdered, and and he had false wit. Uh, there were false witnesses to false accuse him of things. So anyway, Proverbs eleven verse thirteen: A talebearer reveals secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit conceals the matter. So you should conceal. Someone's going blah 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 about somebody. You don't know if it's true or not. Don't spread it. Don't spread it. And even if it's true, you got to use discretion. Should you reveal to other people? Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 19. He that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets. Therefore, meddle not, or don't have anything to do with him that flattereth with his lips. And that's interesting. Proverbs 20, verse 19. Proverbs 20, verse 19. Um means uh, to deceive, to entice with his lips. So again, we have to be careful about that, ladies and gentlemen. We, we have to be careful about doing stuff like that. Um, Proverbs 26, verse 20 is an interesting scripture. It says, where no wood is, there the fire goes out. So where there is no talebearer, someone is telling false stories about someone, slandering and gossiping, the strife cease. Now, here's something that, that you need to understand. Negative speech that is true. Let's, let's focus on this. Spoke negative about the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23. Now, it's also a fact that Yeshua also called King Herod a fox. 
That's in Luke chapter 13, verse 31 to 32. Now, now, did he sin? Did he sin because he called King Herod a fox? Of course not. And so we must conclude that negative speech that is true is not a sin. However, we should use wisdom in understanding when we should reveal negative information that is true. We need to use wisdom in that. Again, Proverbs uh, chapter 11, verse 13. A talebearer reveal of secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit conceals the matter. So that's, that's very important. Uh, let me read uh, this commentary here. It's pretty good what it's saying here. It says, uh, he that is of a faithful spirit conceals the matter. This is from the John Gill commentary on Proverbs 11, verse 13. <clears throat> that is faithful to his friend that trusts him with his secrets, of which there are but a few. He conceals the matter. He is entrusted with the things as a Septuagint version states. Uh, the secrets which are imparted to him or the word that he has heard and has been spoken to him in privacy and in strict friendship, or he covers the matter or thing. He hides the infirmities of his friend and neighbor and does not expose them as a talebearer does. And so that's that's a real friend when you have that, and I, I find myself doing that. <laughs> well, lately often. And so in uh, First Peter 4, verse 8 says, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. So it's just following that. So we have to use wisdom. All right. The interesting thing about gossiping and slandering is it, certainly linked with being a busybody. A busybody is uh, people who scurry about fussing over and meddling in other people's affairs. And so these are people basically that uh, can't mind their own business, yet they're not doing anything themselves. In 1 Timothy 5, verse 13, in the complete Jewish Bible version, for clarity's sake, it says, besides that, they learn to be idle. That means lazy, not doing anything, going from house to house, and not only idle, but gossips and busybodies saying things they shouldn't. And then, you know, for people that are like this, uh, this is in the complete Jewish Bible version, for clarity's sake. It says, now in the name of the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, we command you, brothers, to stay away from any brother who is leading a life of idleness, a life not in keeping with the tradition you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you must imitate us, that we were not idle when we were among you. We did not accept anyone's food without paying. On the contrary, we labored and toiled day and night, working so as not to be a burden to any of you. And these are the apostles. Uh, Peter, no, I'm sorry, Paul. Paul worked day and night, so he would not burden even though his students were still supposed to to um, support him. He says, it was not that we hadn't the right to be supported, yes, by the students, but so that we could make ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this command, if someone won't work, he shouldn't eat. We hear that some of you are leading a life of idleness, not busy working, just busybodies. We command such people, and in union with the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, we urge them to settle down, get to work, and earn their own living. And you brothers who are doing what is good, don't slack off. Furthermore, if anyone does not obey what we are saying in this letter, take note of him and have nothing to do with him, so that he will be ashamed. But don't consider him an enemy. On the contrary, confront him as a brother and try to help him change. This is in Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 to 15 in the Complete Jewish Bible Version. So, it is important to prevent ourselves from being idle. 
because idleness can influence gossiping and slandering. So that's very important to understand that. Now, I've heard this word many times when people get upset and so forth. We need to understand what this word means. Turn to Matthew chapter 18, verse 6 to 7. Matthew chapter 18, verses 6 to 7. I'm going to read this in the Amplified Version for clarity's sake. <clears throat> so Matthew chapter 18, verses 6 to 7. Let me drink some water. I'll be right back. Okay. Matthew 18, verse 6 to 7 in the Amplified Version. But whoever causes one of these little ones, a believer, who believe in and acknowledge and cleave to me to stumble and sin, that is, who entices him or hinders him in right conduct or thought, it would be better, more expedient and profitable or advantageous for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be sunk in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world for such temptations to sin and influences to do wrong. It is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the person on whose account or by whom the temptation comes. And so offenses, that is Strong's number G4625. Let me look at this scripture in the King James Version. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, verses 6 to 7. Yes, that's um, Strong's number G four six two five. Uh, temptations is translated offenses in the King James version, and it means um, scandalon or scandalon, scandalon, and it means a scandal probably from derivative of a G two five seven eight, a trap stick, that is a snare, the occasion of fall. All right, so that's what it means, the occasion to fall. So, as Yah's children, we must learn to avoid offenses, scandals, and snares. We must properly communicate with those who unrighteously offend, who unrighteously offend by using the instruction and wisdom found in the Scriptures. So we understand what offenses mean, to cause someone to sin. Um... To, to fall, to fall, a trap stick. So offenses means that someone is sinning. And when you offend someone, uh, that person uh, <laughs> don't feel good about what you have done and, and really you, you incite that person to be angry at you. All right, so we should try to avoid those things. Now, uh, certainly in an unrighteous way. Now, is it possible to righteously offend? Yes, it is. And this is amazing, but this is found in the Scriptures. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, verse uh, 57. Matthew 13, verse 57, the Scriptures version. And they stumbled at him. But Yeshua said to them, A prophet is not unappreciated except in his own country and in his own house. And yeah, I certainly understand the scripture. Uh, Matthew chapter 13. Whether you are a prophet or you support a prophet's message, uh, you will be persecuted, ladies and gentlemen. 
uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 57. <clears throat> and the scriptures uh, in the King James, it says, And they were offended in him. All right, and that word, uh, offended in him, you take a look at the... Uh, this is a scandalizo in Greek. It means to cause a stumble and fall. Okay, so Yeshua's righteous behavior caused him to fall, but it wasn't his fault. I mean, he was just doing righteousness. And I know from experience, you can just speak the truth and people will be offended at you. It'll cause them to stumble and fall. And uh, as I was stating, if you live by the truth, uh, you will be persecuted and many people will be offended. Uh, true Torah teachers or true ministers that preach the truth are also persecuted, and many people stumble because of their biblical messages. Uh, in Luke chapter 6, verse 22 to 23, it states, Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast you out, or cast your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice ye in that day, and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in the like manner, for in similar manner, did their fathers unto the prophets, as in Luke chapter 6, verse 22 to 23, and in Luke 6, verse 26, it says, Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Okay, so you got to realize something. Just because someone speaks the truth doesn't mean a lot of people will, will desire that and want that. Isaiah chapter 59 proves that it's a prophecy about the world basically not embracing the truth. And in John 17, verse 14, he prayed to his father, Yeshua, before he was crucified. He says, uh, John 17, verse 14, I have given them thy word, and the world hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And so, James chapter 3, let's, let's understand something. James chapter 3, verse 2, says, For many things we offend all, we, we cause people to stumble. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and, and also able to bridle the whole body. So we all got a problem with our mouths, and once we understand that, we need to do something about it as far as uh, learning how to control our mouths. And so this is an abbreviated version of a document that I wrote called Conflict Resolution. If anyone would like to receive a copy of this document, please uh, email me at canard at mercifulservantsofgod.com. That's Kennard at mercifulservantsofgod.com, and I'll kindly email you the document. All right, so I'm going to just highlight uh, some procedures here on how to avoid conflict. First of all, we should not debate the Scriptures. Many people do that, but you're just wasting your time, folks, when you do that. Uh, Titus 3, verse 9. I don't do that anymore. I don't debate it. If someone doesn't agree with what the scriptures state, I don't waste my time. Because it's not profitable. Titus 3, verse 9, this is the scriptures version of the Bible. For clarity's sake, you can also look at this in the King James if you want. But it says, but keep away from foolish questions and genealogies and strife and quarrels. Now notice, it doesn't, it doesn't say to keep away from questions and genealogies. It says keep away from foolish questions and genealogies and strife because the Bible is does have genealogies in it, but we shouldn't focus on that. That's what it's saying here. Keep away from foolish questions and genealogies and strife 
and quarrels about the Torah. And so we shouldn't have strife and quarrels about the instructions of God, the Bible. Why? Because they're unprofitable and useless. Believe me, I know. I've had quite a few of them, and I, I, it didn't accomplish anything. So don't even, if someone doesn't believe the clear understanding of the Scriptures, don't waste your time. First uh, Titus chapter 1, verse 3 to 7, in the complete Jewish Bible version, it says, As I counseled you when I was leaving from Macedonia, stay on in Ephesus so that you may order certain people who are teaching a different doctrine to stop now. That is something we must do uh, if you have a leadership uh, structure in your assembly or church and you know that someone's preaching false doctrine, you've got to tell them to stop. Have them stop devoting their attention to myths and never-ending genealogies. So we shouldn't be focusing on any myth. A myth is, not some, is something that's not true. These divert people to speculation instead of doing God's work, which requires trust or faith. The purpose of this order is to promote love from a clean heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere trust. Some, by aiming a miss, or missing the mark, or sinning, have wandered off into fruitless discussion. They want to be teachers of Torah, but they understand neither their own words nor the matters about which they make such emphatic pronouncements. This is in 1 Titus chapter 1, verses 3-7. to 7. And then in 2 Timothy, these are very important scriptures because many people, they, they debate the scriptures. So that's why I'm, I'm quoting these scriptures. Uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23 to 26, it says, But refuse foolish and stupid questions, knowing that they breed quarrels. Stupid questions <laughs> and foolish. Let, let's look at this in the King James Version. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. Unlearned, that's, that's the word when it says so stupid, that means unlearned, yeah. That is the, the Greek sense of the word. It means questions, dumb questions, avoid. So we have to, to, to ask questions that um, there's possible to get an answer. <laughs> and I, I know I've had questions asked that I don't know the answer. And it's like, hey, that's something you need to ask as as God. I, I don't know. He hasn't told me. So why should we ask questions that, that we know can't be answered? That That's certainly a stupid question there, isn't it? But anyway, uh, it says, But refuse foolish and stupid questions, knowing that they breed quarrels. And a servant of the master should not quarrel, but be gentle towards all, able to teach, patient when wrong. And so, you know, when we're, Giving someone a biblical discussion, it should be done in a gentle way, not in a judgmental way or, hey, I know the Bible more than you type of demeanor. It shouldn't be like that. Able to teach patient when wrong and meekness, instructing those who are in opposition, that somehow Elohim or God gives them repentance unto a thorough knowledge of the truth. That's the process of repentance or teshuva in Hebrew. It means uh, teshuva unto a thorough or thorough knowledge of the truth a deep knowledge of the truth. And they come to their senses out of the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his desire. That's 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23 to 26. Okay, so time is running out here, about 11 minutes. Let me go to the most common way to, to resolve conflicts here. Uh, procedures when brothers and sisters sin against each other. This happens a lot. So I want you to take note of what I'm saying here. 
So these procedures that I'm going to talk to you about are for when an individual sins against another individual, not a group of people. All right? And what you need to do is remember when having any conversations, conflict-related or not, please carefully listen and seek to understand the person before you respond. This is based on Proverbs 18, verse 13. I'm reading this in the Amplified Version. He who answers a matter before he hears the facts, it is folly and shame to him. And then James 1, verse 19 in the King James Version. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, so you should be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. And that's something that we all need to work on if we want to be honest with ourselves. All right. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 to 17. Let's turn there. That's the scripture that I quoted for the title of this program, or part of the title of the program. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 and 17. And if your brother sins against you, go and reprove him. That means correct him between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word might be established. And if he refuses to hear them, say it to the assembly or the church. And if he refuses even to hear the whole church, or the assembly, let him be to you like a Gentile and a tax collector. So these are simple procedures, folks. And I know my experience with ministry has been 10 years now. Hardly anyone follows this step by step, unfortunately. And that's the reason why it's probably the main reason or one of the main reasons that there is conflict. All right, so number one, if a believer sins against you, then go to him or her privately and try to correct using the scriptures. Okay? And so you must use the scriptures to, to, to correct, not, not your own opinion and all that. So in Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 in the Amplified Version, it says this, Every scripture is God-breathed, given by his inspiration, and profitable for instruction, for reproof, and conviction of sin, for correction of error, and discipline and obedience, and for training in righteousness and holy living, and conformity to God's will and thought purpose, so that the man of God may be complete and proficient, well-fitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Number two, if the believer does not repent, then take one or two witnesses and try to correct him or her using the scriptures. Now, this second part is interesting because this is where the conflict resolution process begins for an elder. An elder is a leader of the assembly one of the leaders, and the scriptures indicate that there should be two witnesses already if there's an accusation toward an elder. So uh, the scripture in 1 Timothy 5, verse 19, the scriptures version states the following, do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. And so, you know, I am an elder of my assembly. If someone has a problem with me, they need to bring someone else. And so so it's, it's verified by two witnesses. All right, number three. If the believer still does not repent after two witnesses involved in it, then let the then tell what happens is the whole assembly gets involved in it. If the believer still does not repent, then tell the issue to the whole assembly. The whole assembly should try to correct the individual using the scripture. These, these are the leaders and uh, those who aren't elders. If the individual still does not repent, then the person must leave the assembly. The individual can only come back if he or she repents. So this is the 
procedure, ladies and gentlemen, for conflict resolution between brother and sister. Now, here's another interesting, um, another interesting uh, development here. There are cases where there are false witnesses. Unfortunately, not all witnesses are true. As I stated earlier, our master was accused falsely. He was accused falsely because of false witnesses, which is a type of persecution. And the master's believers can also be accused falsely, and I have quite a few times. <laughs> One, two, or more people can purposely lie to do evil against a person. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 59 and 62, is proof of this. Now the chief priests and elders and all the consuls sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Yes, though many false witnesses, many false witnesses came, yet found they none. At the last came two false witnesses, so two false witnesses, uh, and said, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answer thou nothing? What is it which these witnesses against thee? And so this was a false witness, because they didn't fully understand what he was talking about. So it was false. Two false witnesses. Then Acts 6, verse 9 to 15. It says, Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and the Alexandrians, and of them of Sicilia, Cilicia, and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. So they were arguing and fussing with Stephen. And, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. So this is an example of Stephen righteously offending them. Then, they, then, then the men said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and called him and brought him to the council and set up false witnesses. So they set up false witnesses which said, This man ceased not to speak blasphemous words against his holy place and the Torah. For we have heard him say that this is Jesus, and Yeshua of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs delivered us, or, or, or the traditions that they, they um, taught. And all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on him saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Now, he wouldn't have the face of an angel if this was true, what they were saying. He was not against the Jewish traditions. And he certainly was not against the law of Moses, which is the law of God. That was a false, as you can see here, that was false witnesses. That was a false, you had false witnesses saying these false things about him. Okay. Deuteronomy 19, verse 16 to 20. If a false witness arises up against any man to accuse him of wrongdoing, then both parties to the controversy shall stand before the Lord before the priests and the judges who are in the office in those days. The judges shall inquire diligently, and if the witness is a false witness and has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him as he had intended to do to his brother. So you shall put away the evil from among you, and those who remain shall hear and reverently fear, and shall henceforth commit no such evil among you. This is Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 16 to 20. So how do we apply these verses for the 21st century? Well, the, the way to do that if you have the right structure in your assembly or church, you need to bring the case of false witnesses to the Council of Elders. First uh, Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 to 5 uh, alludes to this. Uh, I'm going to read this in the complete Jewish Bible version. First Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 to 5. It says, How dare one of you with a complaint against another go to court before pagan judges and not before God's people? 
Don't you know that God's people are going to judge the universe? If you're going to judge the universe, are you incompetent to judge these minor matters? Don't you know that we will judge angels, not to mention affairs of everyday life? So if you require judgments about matters of everyday life, why do you put them in front of men who have no standing in the messianic community? I say, shame on you. Can it be that there isn't one person among you wise enough to be able to settle a dispute among brothers? And so we should be able to do this in, in the false witness case. And, and all evidence should be presented and examined to discover the truth. So that's how we handle that. All right, so this is uh, a summarized version of the document that I created, uh, Conflict Resolution, for those who would want the entire document. Uh, the document is uh, 13 pages, and I'm offering it for free. Uh, please simply email me at canard at mercifulserviceofgod.com, and I'll email it to you. So hopefully I, I hope you understand uh, how to resolve conflict. Uh, we do it the Bible way. And if we just follow these steps and procedures, we should be able to eliminate conflict in our assemblies and in our families and wherever we go. So with that, may God bless and keep you. And Yah willing, I'll be available to you next week. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.